What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag. It is week 10, uh, week two of November. Uh, I am in the starting to itch phase of my mustache. We've raised over $5,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. And most importantly, we're coming off a win. Lions beat the Packers 15 to nine. Uh, finally on the winning side of things. Finally, Eric, we get to answer um, maybe some less angry questions this week. Uh, that is, by the way, I, I didn't properly introduce you or myself. Um, adequate here. Uh, my name is Jeremy Resman. I am the producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. Eric, who is about to take some nice questions only at Eric Schlitt on Twitter, our uh, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Eric, welcome back. Hey, buddy. It's uh, it's nice to uh, to be in on one of these after victory, because if you recall, I believe I was sick after the Washington. Oh, yeah. and so um, <laughs> I haven't I haven't sat in on these nice questions you're promising me. Well, well, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> um, this is definitely going to be a little bit more of a pleasant podcast than last week. We didn't even take questions last week because the TJ Hawkinson trade went down literally minutes, minute maybe, before we went live yeah. last week. Um, but yeah, we're going to answer all of your questions uh, for our live audience here on twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Feel free to throw questions in the chat. You can always reach us at uh, or hashtag ask POD on Twitter as well if you want to send us a question throughout the week. But let's start with, I think, really the question of the game. Um, and that comes from uh rocker faithful on Twitter. Scott Spencer asks, was the improved secondary play truly a reflection of changing of the guard, AKA no Aubrey pleasant, or was it really having the additions of Jerry Jacobs and Deshaun Elliott back? Uh, I mean, there are other factors to, to, to throw into here too, Eric, but I guess like if you could, mm. I don't know if you want to throw out percentages of, of why they were <laughs> so much better or, or what, like why, why, what's your take on, on just such a drastic, change in performance from the secondary. I think it was a collection yeah. of things. Um, but I, I do think the catalyst for the whole turn of events probably did start with the firing of Aubrey Pleasant because it created a ripple effect in how the players reacted. Uh, it caused the players to turn the focus on themselves, look internally. It started at the beginning of the week when uh, Alex Anzalone was talking about how he was wondering what he did, even though Pleasant wasn't his position coach, uh, wondering what he could do better. And then on Thursday, the uh, the players call, veteran players call a players only meeting. Uh, they have a lot of hard conversations. And, and most of the players after the game pointed to that meeting as the the turning point for them they they started to understand things better they uh t as jerry jacobs put tightened up as a group and uh that seemed to be a big 
you know, turning point for, for the improvement. Now, yes, there were a lot of other factors that came into play. Uh, getting Elliot back was, was, was massive. I think uh, very underrated. Um, you saw improved play from a lot of the guys. Um, maybe it was inspired play. Maybe it was just uh, getting more comfortable back in the system. Like CJ Moore played really well. Yeah. Um, and he's only been back a couple of weeks. Jerry Jacobs, you know, missed uh, all of training camp most of the season, getting him back. And then, you know, his, his start back was a little bit rough first couple of games. He, he got better as he, he gained more experience this season. Right. And so there's a, I think a lot of factors, but it really, I think they shook up the locker room when they fired pleasant. And um, that meeting I think was the big, the biggest uh, catalyst of the, of the change. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, and it kind of makes you wonder if, if it's worth it, right. If, if, you know, this kind of, kick in the pants is worth firing Aubrey Pleasant because we don't know how long that that's going to last like that that extra boost is going to last three weeks from now are they still going to have that sense of urgency I don't know Mm -hmm. um and so you kind of hope there's something else at play here right like maybe maybe having Aaron Glenn more in the secondary room which he is now maybe that's going to help because listen Aaron Glenn has a very good resume as a position coach right he he really improved the secondary over there in new Orleans being more of a hands-on guy. So maybe that's what's going, maybe that's the thing that, that takes this beyond just a one or two week measure. Mm -hmm. But I think also the elephant in the room here, and and it's one it's, it's the answer that Lions fans aren't going to like the most green Bay's pass offense. Isn't, isn't playing very well right now. Mm -hmm. And so strength of opponent matters. If they would have fired Aubrey Pleasant the week before they go against Tua and, and their receiving core, do we get this kind of result? I don't think so, right? Like that has well, to be part of the well, equation too. Aaron Rodgers was horrible. Like there's no mm-hmm. other way to put it. Aaron Rodgers was horrible in that game. So I'm not saying the the Lions didn't do what they needed to do on a lot of these plays. Like they were in good positions mm-hmm. to make plays. These receiving that that receiving core, which was beat up and not very good to begin with, was well covered mm-hmm. on on almost every play. Even some of the completions Aaron Rodgers made very well covered. So lines get a lot of credit, but at the same time, you have to take at least a strength of opponent somewhat into account here, right? Yeah, but but again, it, it, unfortunately, it's not a it's not a question you can answer in a vacuum, right? right? Because if if some of the rumors you hear about the team not being on the same page, and if 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 you think Pleasant was part of that problem, right? Then that was that firing him did help them get on the same page, right? Like I, I know we're, we're kind of simplifying things for this discussion, but I think this decision was made because of a, a lot of complex reasons. And so um, it, could they have done it a different way? Could they have gotten on the same page a different way? It's possible, but at the same time, maybe not. I mean, maybe if they played Miami, maybe if they fi- had moved on from pleasant and they played Miami and they had this, meeting and this new confidence installed maybe they would have played miami better i mean like who maybe. knows right like yeah. you, we we can't rewrite right but um so but yeah speculatively if i'm looking at like the biggest thing i i do think them getting on the same page was yeah. really um that's a good the point. biggest yeah because because yeah like, what what did dan campbell say this this defense really needs to do cut down on the mental errors and there weren't a yeah. lot of mental errors in this game and so that that's kind of that doesn't that's irrespective of, yeah. of opponent. That's that's the lines mm-hmm. fixing stuff internally. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's a good point to to make there. Um let's move on to another one from from Twitter here. Um 
and and we're already moving forward to next week with this one. Nate Savage asks, what do you expect to see the Lions do uh, to try and slow down Justin Fields' run game and ability to escape the pocket? Because that has been a problem, even even on Sunday, that has plagued this team. So is yeah. do they have that tool in their in their tool shed to, to be able to stop someone like Justin Fields? I don't know. Like <laughs> we haven't seen. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, honestly, we saw it against Baltimore last year. True. Right. Yeah. And then since that game, we haven't seen it. So if they can tap back into some of the things they were doing against Baltimore, that is going to help. And, and and it starts with setting the edge properly, uh, being able to hold contain properly. Like those are things that have been problematic all year. Those are things that lead to escapability. And so it starts there. Like I, I know the, the, there's going to be a discussion about putting the spy on him, uh, who it would be and, and stuff like that. But it, it starts with the rookies. It starts with Hutchinson and Pascal and them being able to not over pursue them being able to have contain. And, and that's, it's been a hard thing for, for them. I mean, it's, it's for rookies, there's a learning curve. And so they will have, it, it'll start with them though. They'll have to be the the first step in being able to contain uh, Justin Fields. Yeah. And it was interesting hearing Hutchinson talk of, about Aaron Rodgers and his escapability in this game. He's, you know, he said, he, I don't think, I think he said he's never seen someone with, with the pocket presence that, that Aaron Rodgers hasn't. And granted, Justin yeah. Fields is kind of a different, a different beast entirely. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like you hope that some of the, the, the lumps that they've taken early in the, in the season help because they were beat up by Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were beat up by basically everyone who wasn't, um, Carson Wentz, right? Like Carson Wentz was the one guy that's like, okay, we can contain that guy. Like we like the statue guys. Um, but of course, all of this is easier said than done. Like every team struggles yeah. with, with guys like this. And you know, you, you look at the the the, the stats that that he, they're putting up in Chicago right now. Everyone is having mm-hmm. trouble with it. And and so, I don't know. It, I think it takes a, a lot of leap of faith to think that the Lions can somehow uh, bottle this one up, but. At yeah. least, at least the, it's not a surprise anymore because the Bears they weren't <laughs> catering to Justin Fields' ability to to scramble in the first half of the season mm-hmm. or at all last year. So now there's tape out there on that. There's three four weeks of them really leaning into that, and so hopefully the lines have learned something from that tape. I mean, at the, at this stage right now, the last three games, the Bears' offense is rolling, and so your hope is to slow it down, right? And I think they've scored like 94 points in the last three games, which is a lot. Uh, yeah. The problem is for Chicago is that they've given up 98 points and sure. lost all three. And right. so right. Um, what if you're Detroit, what you're hoping for is that your offense finds itself. Because even if you're able to slow fields down, even if you're able to put keep them out of the end zone, um, you're still going to need that offense to show up. And that's going to be... A, a key thing as well. So, you know, you're not going to, it's, you're not going to stop fields from gaining yards. It's just not realistic, the defense they play, but with their new outside scheme and funneling things inside, you could slow it down a little bit. And especially if you're being conscious of that, you know, he's a runner, he's coming off a, a, a NFL record setting day. Like this should be a high priority for them. And, and I mean, they should have some sort of game plan for it. Yeah. It's worth and we're still pointing out that he's still struggling as a passer. So you know yeah, this, this he is had, going to be their primary focus. Yeah, he had more rushing yards than passing yards last week. And I think 
yeah, it was like 178 to 123 or something like that off the top of my head, if I'm remembering when I looked at it. Um, so, but it's not always going to be like that. Like he's, you know, he's still going to want to throw the ball. Uh, they're going to have to, they, they can't, it's unrealistic to think he'll have another 170 plus game. Like that's, I mean, it's, it, no, stop. stop. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just scared, man. Just stop it. <laughs> I know you're scared. And you, and, and, and I think that's a justified thing to be concerned about, but yeah. at the same time, it's just, it's, it's, their primary focus. it's a tougher yeah. matchup than it was on, on Sunday. And so, and, and I think, I think we have to remember to put all of these defensive performances in context, mm-hmm. right? Because we even said that Patriots game, like that, or the Patriots game and the Cowboys game are like, okay, the defense is making some progress, right? They, yeah. they didn't allow those teams to, to do that well offensively. Yeah. And and then you come back to the Dolphins game and it's like, oh, they blew us out. Well, yeah, because they're a really, really freaking good offense. And you know what? Yeah. I'm not saying the bears are there yet, but they're getting there. And so, um, yeah, and, and it's not a like, tough time. It, it looks Green Bay had has a good offense. They just haven't been they just haven't been able to finish. And that's been the story for them all year. And and they they I think they moved the ball pretty well on Detroit they, again. Yeah, they, they only could, couldn't once. finish, right? Yeah. yeah. Um and so you know at the same time while I'm saying it's unrealistic for to think the Bears will rush that much out of fields, I think it's also unrealistic to think the Lions will get three turnovers, right? right. So um <clears throat> yeah, I mean look, bottom line, they're gonna have they're gonna prioritize him. They're going to have to do some stuff on offense. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that is going to hinge on on the shoulders of uh, Jared Goff. All right. We're flash forwarding even further now. Uh, interesting question here from BT, I'm sorry, BTBA Matt on Twitch asks, would you rather fill more holes this offseason or get Lamar Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, um, I have always been a proponent of, it doesn't matter what style of quarterback you have. You just need someone who can, you know, move the ball. Essentially, um, I've never, you know, I've never really said, "Oh, you need a, a a quarterback who can run," or "You need a quarterback who can pass." I've just whatever guy's best. Um, but man, am I starting to lean towards a, a mobile quarterback now? Right? Like it's it's crazy how the NFL dynamic has changed, yeah. right? And so, um, getting Lamar would be extremely tempting. Um, and it would really make your offense difficult. Uh, I just don't think it's in there. I don't think that's what they're going to want to do. I think they're going to want to build this thing for the long term. They're still fighting out of some cap stuff. Uh, you're going to pay him, I don't know, like 25% of your cap, essentially, like to right. this one guy, right? And he's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you would have to change your offense like completely. Like that's what the Ravens did. And that's why they're successful uh, with Lamar. But I just don't see them making that pivot, even though that's a fun dream to have. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it. I, and I, I honestly don't see it from Baltimore's point of view either. They, they, they yeah. still have the, um, the franchise tag, at their disposal if, if they need to. And, and I imagine they will. I know there, there was a lot of friction with, with contract extension talk, but if we're talking in a vacuum here, like I, I am kind of of the belief that a lot of people say, like, if you don't have a franchise quarterback, nothing else really matters in the NFL today. Sure. Um, and so the, the easiest way to go out and get one is, is to just go out and get one. Now they're, they're going to work out for Denver. Well, Lamar <laughs> is, is a little bit better. 
I would say than uh, than well, Russell. But but yeah, there, your point stands that there's there's only a, a, a very scant few of examples of going out being aggressive and getting a guy yeah. and it working right because mm-hmm. even Matthew Stafford is as good as that was, and and they got a Super Bowl they they, they reached the goal that they wanted. Where are they now? Yeah, and and look how, at Indy. I mean, Indy went in and got Matt Ryan. Indy, Washington, like all these teams have. have Washington. I, I, I won't say aggressively <laughs> tried to get the quarterback they want, but tried no, to do but they something. Used, yeah, used they used free guy. agency to try to try and uh, acquire their talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it, because of where they are, and they keep preaching, the, you know, where they are in the rebuild. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a move I think they would make. I think they would be more apt to try and draft a guy. Yeah. And uh, that's that's still where my gut is. Right. And th- to be clear, that would that move would hinder them team building both, I think, in free agency and in the draft, right? It's obviously going to cost you draft capital. Certainly. And then obviously it's going to cost you a lot of money, maybe not this year, but down the road, um, depending on how you work that contract out. So yeah. I think you're right. It doesn't really fit with their, their long-term ideals and it would be a very drastic move, but I, I can't sit here right now and tell you, I wouldn't get excited <laughs> if they did something like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It would be fun. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, answering more of your questions live here on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Again, we're in the middle of November. Uh, head over to prideofdetroit.com for more information on how you can donate to the uh, Alzheimer's Association, win some prizes, make us do some silly stuff here live on uh, our, our Twitch channel. And uh, we will be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag 
with myself, Jeremy Reisman, and Eric Schlitt, uh, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Let's go back to Twitch for some more questions here. Um, Bobby Grimes asked an interesting question here. Eric or Jeremy, what do you think the Lions do with that open roster spot? They uh, they waved um, Stanley Berryhill. Stanley Berryhill, who I definitely remember who what his name is because he's been such <laughs> a, an impactful player on the seven starting season. gunner, starting gunner last I mean, two weeks. Yeah, just saying, the Lions just never decided to punt anyway. So, um, <laughs> all right. So yeah, it's an interesting question. They they have an open roster spot. What do you think they mm. do with it? I, I think I think we both agree we probably aren't going to find out until Saturday because it seems Correct. like they really like to wait to do it. But uh, what, what's your what's your running theory right now? Uh, my guess is they're holding it for Cabinda, and if Cabinda's not ready, they're going to do exactly what they did last weekend, and they're going to elevate another offensive skill player uh, or a couple offensive skill players, sign a skill player that they're going to eventually cut on Monday uh, in order to write, and uh, I think that's that's the plan. It all hinges on Cabinda. Uh, if he's ready, he gets a spot, and away you go. Uh, but if he's not ready, I think they play this uh, this uh, roller coaster game and on and off and on and off until he is. Yeah, and so I'm looking at the practice squad. Obviously, they they want to use their elevations if they can, but you only get three elevations. Yeah, and, and by elevations, I mean they just they literally just bump up to the active roster for the game and drop right back down to the practice squad. It doesn't require signing a, a 53 man contract. Um, and so I, I mean, they've elevated Maurice Alexander twice. Yep, Brandon Zilstra twice. Mm-hmm. Stanley Berryhill once signed him to the active roster once, uh, and they've Shane Zilstra once that, as well. He was on the active roster the, the weeks one through three. So that's if you're wondering why you remember seeing him. So they've played this game of putting guys on the roster and taking them off of uh, several times this year. Because like Alexander, he's played in what four games, but he only has two elevations because they've been sneaking him. And, yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's clever. I, and so I, you you bring up Shane Zilstra, and I think that's kind of an interesting one, right? Because yeah, they not only elevated him last week, they played him a lot. They played him more than they played him. James Mitchell. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering, do you think there's there's an opportunity there? There's a chance that they view him as tight end two and and he'll eventually get signed to the 53. No, I think he's I think that they have Brock Wright tight yep. end one. Yep. And then they have two reserves that they value equally. Okay. And if and if Cabinda comes back. Cabinda can fill that same role. Sure. That's what's like 16 snaps, thir- you know, between 13, and 16 snaps. And uh, James Mitchell is taking steps. You know, look, last week he doubled his output for the whole season and uh, caught a touchdown pass. So yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that is my, uh, my assumption is that they're going to, when Cabinda comes back, that kind of shakes up the, the need. I do like Zilstra. They do. They like Zilstra. Obviously they threw him a touchdown. Um, but I think he is, he's holding that spot for Cabinda right now. Do you, were you surprised that they played Zilstra as much as they did more than James Mitchell? I, f- I feel like we, the, the general consensus was that oh. James Mitchell is going to see a pretty significant bump. And he, like you said, he did mm-hmm. a little bit, but I think, I think at least to me, I was a little bit surprised to see Zilstra who's been on the practice squad and, and granted like he's more ready, right? He's been, he's been practicing every week, yeah. Um, which I think is important to them. He's, you know, he's familiar with the offense from last year. Um, yeah. But I, I think, I think maybe that was just wishful thinking a little bit that they're, they're still kind of easing in James Mitchell a little bit. And I just, I was hoping mm-hmm. he'd get more playing time than he did. Sure. Look, I mean, you gotta remember he's a fifth round pick that's coming off in an ACL. Yeah. So like, it's I guess maybe we're getting spoiled by looking at like 
Malcolm Rodriguez and like yep. as a six round pick and, and, and Kirby who's sure. playing every snap and, and uh, you know, realistically we've talked about this before. If you get three rookie starters, then you're happy. Yep. Well, they have four rookie starters just on defense. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like, you're you're getting you're getting spoiled right now by the young guys uh stepping up fair enough um speaking of rookies stepping up mcveigh rob asked was kirby joseph performance surprising the dude had a game on sunday i look he's been getting closer and closer and closer right so like you you knew eventually he was going to secure one uh i don't think i thought it was going to come against aaron Rodgers, uh, (laughs) much less getting much less getting two, sure, right? But that that cut underneath was just stupid Incredible. on that second interception. That first interception, I screenshot where he was when Rodgers threw the ball, and he was blocking at the five-yard line, right? Like he was – and then he – the ball goes up, he, he disengages, comes back, and then out jumps everybody to get the ball. Like he just has a nose. He just has a nose for, for where that ball is. And he's, and so you could tell he was getting closer and closer. Uh, the PBUs are, are showing up. Uh, so yeah, a little surprising. It came against that situation and that productive, but you could tell he's, he was headed this way for, uh, you know, for a while now. Yeah. It's definitely trending up. I would say not that surprised that he had a good performance. Definitely. Like if you would have told me in, in September, I would have been surprised. <laughs> Because yeah. I, I thought the track for Kirby Joseph was probably not going to play in 2022. Like maybe get on some special teams, maybe get some sub package. And, and granted, mm-hmm. injuries have forced him in the lineup. So, so, but, but even if you were to tell me Kirby Joseph is, they're going to, they're, they, they're forced to play him in week five, being like, oh, well, it's probably going to struggle for the first couple months of the season. Might look good towards the end, but I don't expect him to play that well in his rookie year because it's new to the position, mm-hmm. very new to the position. And so to see him hit the ground running like this is is extremely encouraging. And so uh, I would say that part is surprising to me. But given what we've seen out of him from the first four starts that he had of the season, I, I'm not that surprised at, at what happened yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Next question, uh, also coming from Twitch. Uh, I don't know how to say your name. We'll just ask the question. Is Jerry Jacobs now CB2 for the rest of the season? No. I think he's going to be potentially could turn into that. Yeah. I don't think he's there yet. Um, If we're being honest uh, and we're talking about all their corners, I think Will Harris is the guy that they have the most confidence in. Now they're using Will in the slot right now, but there's going to be situations where they're going to want to put him back outside. Um, But I do think Jerry might have jumped jumped Mike Hughes, right? I thought Jerry played better than Mike Hughes he did. Uh, did. And I think they love him to death. So could Jerry be corner three and still start? Yes, he could. Uh, but I think if they're putting two corners on the field, my guess is it's Akuda and uh and uh, Will Harris right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Because well, yeah, I think you're right. I think they prefer right now Will Harrison in the nickel. I think they like him there. I think they want to keep him there. If they're going yeah. to a two, two, a, a non-nickel set, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think it might be Jerry. But but it's worth pointing mm-hmm. out that that Dan Campbell also praised Mike Hughes a lot in his post game. He did. Um, so I think I think he's happy. With, I think I think we can all agree here that pending injury, 
we may have seen the last of Vamani, right? Well, in the I Lions called it last week. I, I'm <laughs> on that on that other podcast that I'm on. <laughs> I uh, I had a lot to say about that. But but and, yeah, uh, I mean, you're right, right? Yeah, Amani had one defensive snap in this game. I don't remember where it came from, but I, mm. I I think they like three or four guys better than him right now. And assuming all of them don't get don't get injured and knock on wood, they they very well could, given how the secondary has sure. played out. Sure. Um, I I think we've seen Amani start his last game as, as a Detroit Lion. I I agree with you completely. And, and and let me let me add a little bit more context to why I think they like Will Harris. And we talked about this. Uh, when it was happening during the game, uh, and I want to bring it up again, is that this the idea of how they're using their defensive backs against the run, where you're filtering and then and then closing. Yep. Will Harris gives them the best option to fill that role, like a, a opposite of Akuda. So sure. when when Harris is out there, even whether he's in nickel or whether he's on the outside, um, when they want to run their scheme and they uh, start closing off that outside. They need a corner who can come in and hit and tackle. And Will's the second best one on the team that can do that. Jerry's not that far behind, though. He had a nice no, no, TFL. No, no, he had a great no, TFL. No, I mean, and and, a very Jerry, physical look, guy. Jerry's, Jerry's confident as, as anyone, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to discount Jerry here. And I, if, if it's coming off that way, that's not my intention. Um, I'm just saying, I think this is the change in scheme and how they use their corners now is custom made for will harris fair um duck line asks looking ahead to chicago do you think the offense bounces back against the skeleton crew defense in chicago i mean you gotta hope right if you're <laughs> hoping for a victory this this is this is it that's um, how they yeah they're gonna have to keep pace right this this has the feelings of a, mm-hmm. of a shootout yeah, their their line is not very good their their front seven's not very good uh and they traded away to their best in that front seven as well, which is yep. you know, further complicating things. They have, you know, they have good safeties. Uh, corners are, are not bad at either, uh, which, but again, like we've looked, we've seen defenses that are bad against the run and the Lions don't always run against them. Right. And so yeah. you've got to hope that they've learned from that. And, and that when you have a defense that's presents a problem in the, in that front seven, that's where you attack. And so, um, yeah, look, if you get the run game going and, and and you start, you know, making noise and you start causing those safeties to pinch, that's going to help things out when you want to open the pass game up. But they they absolutely have to get the run game going in order to get the offense back on track. Interesting to know, um, those of you that believe in DVOA, that, that like DVOA, Chicago's defense is 31st, 30th against the pass, 28th against the run. So bad in both areas, much worse than the Lions, by the way which I yeah. think we all have opinions about the Lions uh, defense overall. Um, mm. Bears are technically worse at both, I think. Um, yeah. So it, I, I think, I think for the Lions, it just depends on health. Like this team is, is very much performing based on who's available. If you don't have Josh Reynolds, if you don't have DJ Chark, if you have DeAndre Swift on a, on a pitch count and you no longer have TJ Hawkinson, well, guess what? Jared Goff ain't going to play very well. That's, you know, um, it's just the, the the fact of the situation. And then, I mean, mm-hmm. you saw at the beginning of the year, I know DJ Chark wasn't producing, but he was out there and he was allowing Josh Reynolds to be in his more natural position and everyone else to be in their more natural position. And and Hawkinson was there and Swift was was healthier and they're scoring 30 mm-hmm. points a game. Well, OK, you take that away and, and I don't have to keep repeating it every week. But Jared Goff 
very much relies on a good support system. And if he doesn't have it, he's not able to elevate his crew. And so you're, you're not getting Chark back this week. Swift might be trending in the right direction to get more than six touches a game. But mm-hmm. TJ's not coming back. Josh Reynolds, we'll see. I think I think there's probably optimism there that, that Josh is, is gonna come back this week, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not very confident in, in the Lions offense right now just because I think their weapons aren't there. Well, I'll tell you what, Amon Ra versus Kyler Gordon, the Bears slot, is going to be fun. Now Kyler played at Washington, right? Pac twelve. So he's faced off against Amon Ra. Amon Ra knows him, and he's going to know how to attack him. He's not playing very well. While the rest of the secondary is playing well, he's not He's not playing so much. That's the matchup that you need to try and exploit if, if you're Jared Goff. Run the ball, feed Amon Ra. I mean, like this This is the game plan every week, right? I mean, and it, and it should be. But the, the strength of your offense is better than – where their their defense can't offset the strength of your offense is what I, I guess I'm getting at here. Fair enough. Um, so we got news today that uh, that Jameson Williams not expected to play until December, according to Dan Campbell, a 97 won the ticket. A um, couple people have asked questions and, and expressed concern about this. Um, some looking to Odell Beckham, uh, a guy who tore his ACL, what, in the playoffs? Right in yeah, the Super Bowl, right? Or a little or, bit. Was it in the Super Bowl? No, I think it was before. Either right. way, maybe um, yeah. right around that time, a month-ish after JMO, and and now he's cleared to play. Some people mm-hmm. are, are wondering, is this something that we should be concerned about? Is, is maybe JMO a, a guy that's slower to rehab from injury, or are Lions just being extra careful? What, what's your take there? I, I think the Lions are, are being extra careful, one. Yeah. Uh, but two, even if he is slower, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a trend that carries over to maybe other injuries that he might suffer in the future. It just means sure. this particular one is is maybe slower than than recovery than other people. So I, I think you get into problems when you're when you start setting expectations of recovery versus um, you know other players like you know when was it was Cam Akers right who came back from the Achilles and like whatever yep. and like everybody was like holy cow and. Yep. I mean, like, and then Akuda takes a little longer, but I mean, look at the Cuda now. I mean, the Cuda's playing great, right? And how's and I don't know. I mean, is Cam Akers doing that good? He didn't look like a he kind of I mean, they're talking they about getting rid of him, him and yeah, yeah, and like he's wanting more playing time, they're not playing him, right? And so maybe he did he rush back early. You know, that's probably what the Rams fans are sitting there wondering, right? Right. And but then at the same time, you've got um you've got uh Romeo who hasn't come back at all, and we don't know when he's gonna come back, but again different body type, different stress on that joint or on that, on that Achilles. And so um, it just, there's different recovery times for different size players and expectations. So I I, I think you set yourself up for disappointment when you, if you compare injuries, cause they're just, they're not alike. And, and, and it's very subjective to each player in my opinion. Yeah. I'm with you too. And I, I think it is worth pointing out that the lines are just being extra cautious because they can like, yeah, they, they know behind the scenes, right? That mm-hmm. this the season isn't isn't going to result in playoffs, so why rush it? And I think there is a fair discussion to have, and maybe that's something we'll we'll talk about down the road of of whether it's even worth to to play Jameson this season if you're only going to get four five games out of him. Um, but at the same time, like I think I think they do want him to get his feet wet, and I think they just want to be extra sure because you invested a lot in this guy. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to be investing that much in OBJ for a half season, right? So yeah. maybe maybe you're hurrying that process along a little bit. Jameson's around for at least the next four seasons, hopefully a lot longer than that. So you don't want to do anything to jeopardize that, especially during a season that that's not going to matter. But and, and again, that can be used as an argument not to play him at all this year. Maybe and and I I I certainly understand that argument. And and again, we're probably going to be talking about this a lot. Um, once yeah. once he starts practicing, but um, you know, I, 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 in general, I think it's important to at least give him some reps so he's not coming off, um, you know, into next year just completely fresh slate. Yep, I'm with you. Um, okay, I think we have time for about one more here. Uh, let's go to Nick, the Lions fan. This is an interesting one because I do think this is kind of an unknown here. Uh, we know Brad Holmes is uh, good at drafting. Are we nervous about how he will handle his first free agency with actual money to spend this year? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the they've been targeting a certain level of player previously, and so now that they're targeting or potentially targeting a higher level, will they be more aggressive? Will they pick the right one? I mean, I, I mean, it's. I think it's hard to tell. It, yeah. it really is. I, I'm not concerned because. I, I mean, I, I, I guess I he hasn't done anything that's that's made me overly concerned. Like he hasn't given he didn't give a five year contract to a Richard Perryman. You know what I mean? Right. He gave him one year deal. It didn't work out, and it wasn't that much money. And so, I, I he's been relatively cautious so far. Um, so I, I'm not too panicked on it. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no reason to panic yet. I think there's mm-hmm. reasons to be nervous. For sure. I mean, he hasn't been particularly good at it yet. And yes, they haven't had a ton of money to maneuver, but they could have made something work. Like if they wanted Mm -hmm. um, Marcus Williams, they could have made something work for sure. Yeah. Right. I think their their long-term vision, though, was definitely precluded them from wanting to to make a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, the one deal that they, the one quote unquote big deal that they've made so far is, is the DJ shark move. And obviously that didn't work out. Um, and well, we're halfway through the season, but so far, yeah, not working out as, as much as you would like (laughs) at all. We can say (laughs) at all, right. I mean, it hasn't worked out and, and it's going to cost them a little bit down the line too. the, The way they formatted that, that, um, that contract he's actually costing the team more next year than, than he did this year. And again, all of that is under the, um, under the the cap situation, which yeah. was what it was, they they, they had to kick, yeah. kick some stuff down the road. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's a good question. It's it's still. I mean, basically, he's just incomplete, right? If you're if you're making a Brad yeah. Holmes report card, his free agency grade is still very much incomplete. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll add a level of excitement to the off season, which seems like we've got a lot of questions about the off season, which is not what I was expecting after a win, but, uh, but I totally understand it. Um, <laughs> but I think we're going to close things out there. We'll stick around for our Twitch live audience a little bit longer to answer some extra questions, but for you podcast listeners, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe and all that on uh, whatever platform you're listening to this. And again, che- check out our Movember campaign on pridedetroit.com to see how you can support the Alzheimer's association. Um, we're also going to put up some, uh, some, uh, auction items, uh, including some signed footballs from Lions players. Um, So be on the lookout for all of that on prideofdetroit.com. But until then, thank you for joining us. My name's Jeremy. That's Eric over there. Other way. That way. (laughs) It's chaos.
Be kind. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.